Father, we ask that as your word goes out, it would affect us, that we wouldn't simply just be readers of your word, but we would be doers of your word. Just like in the first century church, the book of Acts, how they went to different places. And we know that part of that was because of the persecution. But Lord, you have called us. You have asked us. You have commanded us to reach out to this world. So help us to study to show ourselves approved, workmen that do not need to be ashamed. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Verse 1, I'm going to go back over this. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. Last week I covered the idea of the office of a prophet and answered the question, is, has it ceased for our day? And I told you there's a lot here. We're going to park for a little bit. Talked about prophets. We're going to talk today about fasting and next week about the Holy Spirit. Now what I just did for the last 40 minutes was preach. What I'm going to do now is teach. Teach on fasting. What is fasting? Now, I gave you a little clip, a little foreshadowing last week. It's withholding food, water, sleep, or sex. Those things are considered fasting in the scripture. Now, as far as sleep is concerned, David did this. Psalms chapter 132 verses 1 through 5 or 2 through 5 it says he swore an oath to the Lord and he made a vow to the mighty one of Jacob I will not enter my house or go to my bed I will not allow sleep to my eyes nor slumber to my eyelids till I find a place for the Lord a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob and also in Proverbs chapter 6 verse 1 talks about if you put up security for a neighbor if you co-sign on a loan in verse 4 of chapter 6, it says, Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hands of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of a fowler. Go take care of that. Get out of the agreement that you are in. There are times where no sleep would be given to your eyelids because of the, the grievousness or the, the weight of a matter. But you're just praying. You're not even thinking about sleep. And, of course, I talked about sex, withholding of sex. The only time you're supposed to do it is for prayer and fasting in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 4 through 6. And then food and water. And that's what we think of most commonly as giving up something for the Lord. Well, who practiced fasting? Well, Jesus, John the Baptist, the Pharisees, the nation of Israel, Moses, Nehemiah, Ezra, King David, the Acts of the early church. It's recorded there that we saw just as we read in verse 3 of chapter 13, and Saul. Now, those are just a few. There are many more people, Old Testament and New Testament, that fasted and prayed. So what's the purpose of fasting? Well, <clears throat> there some, or when do you fast? It, it is when there's a national crisis, like the Twin Towers, when the Twin Towers or Pearl Harbor, when those things were attacked, it's probably a good idea to fast and pray to the Lord. This was the case in 2 Samuel, excuse me, this is the case in Joel chapter 1 verse 14. 
where it says, Declare a holy day, call a sacred assembly, summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. And this is where Joel was calling for repentance on the part of the Israelites, just the whole nation itself. You could start fasting because there's a personal crisis, something that's going on. If you remember King David in Second Samuel chapter 12, he gave or he caused Bathsheba to be pregnant because of an adulterous affair. And the child that was to be born, he was told, would die. And he fasted and prayed that maybe the Lord would spare the life of the child. And he did this, and he says, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. And, of course, we know the child died, according to the story. But he fasted because of a personal crisis, and he prayed that the Lord would maybe turn around this crisis for good. It could also be a sign of mourning at the death of Saul. Uh, there was two instances, Second Samuel chapter 1, verse 12, where they immediately fasted one day because of the death of Saul and Jonathan and all of Saul's sons. And then they had a fast for seven days in First Samuel chapter 31, verse 13, because of the death of Saul, the king of Israel, the anointed one. It could also be that there's a matter of grave seriousness that you would pray. I told you the whole story about Queen Esther. And Vashti, how she wouldn't go into Xerxes. And, and because of that evil, Haman comes into power and he wants to kill all the Jews. And Esther says, you need to fast, Mordecai. I'm going to fast. All my maidens are going to fast. And they did that, withheld water and food for three days. It could also be used in seeking the Lord or for protection. And when the Moabites and the Ammonites and the uh, Moonites uh, were coming up against Israel in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 3, it is there that Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed, proclaimed a fast for all Judah. So he was asking God for protection. If, if you're in the military and you're going into a war zone, it's probably a good idea to fast and pray before you go, that the Lord would honor that and, and provide protection, not only for you, but those who are around you. It could be to humble yourself. You know, when you fast... Uh, first few days are, they're hard your body's saying feed me and you're saying no I won't and it's going yes you will here's a little pain for you to feed me and your body starts warring against you you know this idea the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh your body demands things of you like if you lack sleep what's your body do have you ever hit the wall you know what that is athletes do that where they just the body goes, and just shuts down. You are not waking up. Your body's saying, you will sleep, that type of thing. And if you have control over your body in the act of fasting, when you're fasting, something like that, your body just hammers you the first few days. Then it goes, okay, I submit for a few more days. You can sometimes go five or 10 days if you're into fasting that long. You can go that long and your body will say, fine, and cross its arms and just goes, I'll wait. And then it goes, all right, this is enough. And it comes back with even more of a vengeance and screams at you and causes pain in your body, says, feed me. That's what your body does. And you could do it to humble yourself where your body is weak and you're just going, Lord, I need to humble myself before you. And so that could be a reason. Another one, the seventh reason is to worship. Remember Anna, the daughter of Phanuel? She was at the temple. She fasted and prayed. That's what she did after her husband died in her early age. She did that just as a form of worship. (coughs) Excuse me. 
We can also do it to seek help from God. The same example in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1, where the Moabites and the Ammonites were coming after the Israelites. And they asked God, God, help us. Give us strength for this. You can also fast for your enemies. Now, this is unique. Psalm chapter 35, verse 11. This is when David is facing his enemies, and he prayed for them, and he wrote... Ruthless witnesses come forward. They question me on things I know nothing about. They repay me evil for good and leave my soul forlorn. Yet when they were ill, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. He interceded for his enemies. The precatory Psalms, you know, where he's going, Lord, wipe them off the face of the earth just kill my enemies he does that but here he's going lord my enemies they're sick and i'm going to fast and i'm going to pray for them and that's hard to do but david did it he was a man after god's own heart then it can be done to show repentance and remorse maybe god will avert his judgment and this is where the word of the lord came to elijah the tishbot Tishbite, he said, go down to Ahab, meet the king of Israel who rules in Samaria. And what had happened is his wife Jezebel had killed a man because he wanted a vineyard and he wouldn't do anything about it. And his wife said no, and he killed the guy. And Elisha the Tishbite, or she did, and Elisha the Tishbite comes back and goes, because of this, you're done. Out of the pool, you're going to die. And he fasted and prayed. And God says, have you seen what he has done? How Ahab has humbled himself before me? Have you seen that? And because of that, he took away the judgment. And so it, it can show repentance or remorse when you fast. And the final one is in making and implementing decisions, uh, specifically in the ordination of ministry. If you're ordained to ministry, it's a good idea to fast and pray about that. Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 14, verse 23, appointed elders for each in our, for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. The importance of fasting is not abstinence from food, but the sincerity of the heart. You know, so when you're, you're approaching God for any one of these 11 reasons that I've just given you, it's because your heart needs to be in the right place. It's not the fasting itself. And if you had fasting without praying, why? You're just on a diet. That, that's the point. You're really not humbling yourself before God. You're supposed to be seeking God. Another time that you might fast and pray, you, it's not hard to figure out what the times are after I've given you these examples. Like, for instance, if you're going to quit a job and go to another one. Do you think you should pray about that? Maybe even fast a little bit? Probably a good idea. Or if you're going to move, Lord, do you want me to go to this city or to this state or to this country? Probably be a good idea to fast. I know personal examples, not mine, but of others, where they have moved and they've come back, like one person in particular wanted to give a testimony to the church. Don't move unless you pray and fast and ask God if you're supposed to move. It came back. It was just a disaster where they went. Well, how about this one? Getting married. You think that's a good idea to fast and pray? Remember, all men are on good behavior before they get married. All men. 
It doesn't change. Why? Because they want something. They want the woman is what they want. Then they get the woman. You've heard the phrase. Those who want to be married. There are those who want to be married and those who are married that don't want to be married. You know, it's like the other side because you put two sinners together. It's difficult. There's conflict. And those people who get married, they're going to have trouble. And that trouble, it can be light. It can be severe. There's going to be moments for everybody that's there. And so you want to make sure you're fasting and praying. And can you just do it for no reason at all? Just because you worship, quote unquote, you're worshiping God? Yeah, you can do it for that. But just, you know, do it with wisdom. And there's some application to this. I got nine minutes. Let's see. How much can I give you here? I'm going to give you this, the procedure for fasting. Of course, in Esther chapter 4, verse 16, her procedure was three days, no food, no water. You can do that. You can do one day. You can skip meals. You can do it for several days. Just don't go without water, I would say. That would be my recommendation. But fasting should be a part of the Christian life. Now, how often? As often as the Lord leads you. It's not something that is required uh, as far as you have to do it every Tuesday or every third Wednesday of every month. And if you fail to do that, then you're saying it's not like that. You do it when you feel the Lord is calling you to do it. And it should be a part of everybody's life. Fasting should also always be coupled with prayer. Remember Daniel chapter 9 verse 3 it says so I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and petition in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. So he had this outward sackcloth and ashes that he had. He, he lowered himself. He humbled himself. Uh, third thing is fasting should be between you and the Lord and it should not be obvious. If you walk in here with sackcloth and ashes and we go what's up? I'm fasting for the Lord. Don't. Just don't, all right? Don't get your gunny sack and go to your chimney fireplace and throw ashes on your head and come on all smelly and say, I'm fasting for the word. You don't need to do that. Uh, what you should do if you're fasting, and the way that it's depicted in Scripture, put a little oil in your hair, you know, bro cream, pull the hair back, make yourself look good, wash your face, get your clothes on, and just between you and the Lord. Your spouse should know, but between you and the Lord. And fasting also should be coupled with confession that we should confess to the Lord everything that is wrong everything that we know in the areas that we're failing uh, we can say Lord I have sinned against you and only against you and the Lord receives that if it's done with sincerity of heart and fasting should be an act of worship it's not something that we just do to lose weight it, it's hard too because your flesh if you fast <clears throat> you'll go before the mirror and say, look at me. Oh, I'm, I'm looking good. And, and you want to look at yourself as you're fasting, but you're praying and you're worshiping the Lord, but look at me. You know, you, you want to avoid doing that. It's the subduing of the flesh as well. And fasting is not meritorious. Fasting is not something that you do and God looks at, oh, Look at him. Look at Bill. He is so fasted. I'm going to have to answer that. It's not meritorious. It's something that is for us to be humble before the Lord. And fasting does not ensure victory over the flesh. 
This is a hard one because we think that we're going to be more spiritual when we fast and therefore we're going to walk in the spirit, therefore we'll sin less. That sin comes right back up. I mean, just momentarily, maybe the day you finish fasting and all of a sudden, boom, you're right in a sin again. You go, I thought I was more spiritual. No, that doesn't happen. The flesh wants to rule over you. And you have to be aware of that constantly. And fasting should be accompanied with a pure heart and proper action. In Isaiah chapter 58, there's selected scriptures in there. It says, your fasting ends in quarreling and strife, or you still exploit your workers, or you're striking each other. And and so you end your fast, and this is what I was talking about. The flesh immediately can take over quarreling and strife. You start arguing. What do you mean I was fasting for us and now you're yelling? What are you arguing at me for? I'm trying to serve you. You know, not that that has ever happened to anybody that has done that, but you get the idea. You can immediately jump into the flesh after you think you're being spiritual. It, it doesn't help you to subdue the flesh. That is just walking in the spirit. So we have the purpose of fasting. We have the procedure of fasting. You know, I've given you the reasons why we do. Jesus did it and all of those 11 reasons I provided for you. The procedure, how we do it. These things are necessary. But as we walk away, I want to make sure that you remember those who have gone before you. Those who got you saved I owe my life to a guy in a radio station broadcasting on a Sunday morning with his dog in the studio. And that was it. That that was it. I got saved then. And then for the person who brought me to church, even though he was gay and he had ulterior motives, he still took me to church. And it's like, wow, I owe him a debt of gratitude for that. And remember the history of how you got saved, where you were, the people that talked to you. Somebody talked to you. I didn't have a person talking to me. I had the radio. I got saved through radio ministry and leading up to that, listening to the radio, Christian stations. At least I thought it was Christian. It's Herbert W. Armstrong, Worldwide Church of God, which was a cult. But it led me in that direction. And remember what you did when God called you. As I previously expressed, I was so fire on fire, I was scorching everybody around me casualties left and right behind me you know i my brother got so mad at me when i witnessed to him he slammed out the door he just told me i'm going to hell i said you are you know and just didn't go over well uh with him and later i was able to talk to him and i calmed down a little bit but you know it's it's fire and brimstone and we have to be careful about that remember what we did when god first called us and how god mellowed us a little bit but the fire should never go out we should remember our first love we should go out and be witnesses we should fast and pray and repent if necessary and who knows the lord may say this and i want you to install your name on this verse have you noticed how bill has humbled himself before me and a blessing may come to you Because the Lord may say that. Look how Phil in your name has humbled himself before me. And he will give you the strength to be a witness and to walk in the spirit and not follow the ways of the flesh. This is my prayer for you. That you would just ignite that fire 
that you would ask the Lord to do that within you to where you'd be overflowing and instead of fire overflowing onto everybody, the love of the Spirit, the water of the Spirit would overflow onto everybody and you'd be able to minister to them and lead them in a direction where they get saved. They will be eternally grateful to you. I know who I'm thinking when I get up to heaven, thanking. I I know that guy in that radio booth. I'm going to find him. I found out a testimony later that, oh yeah, he was on... Uh, the radio for years and a lot of people got saved on his little ministry in Palm Desert and that's who, how I got saved so who saved you or who led you to the Lord keep that in mind may God bless you let's pray Father we thank you for those who have gone before us who have laid the groundwork I thank you for Chuck Smith being open to those who needed a bath that come into his house He was open to what you would do through him for their sake. And we are all here today because of that. And for those who witnessed to Chuck, his mother, and those who witnessed to her all the way back to the apostles and all the way back to you, God, Jesus. We ask that you would help us to keep this in the forefront of our minds, that we might carry this on from generation to generation. With your help, we'll do it. In Jesus' name, and the church said... Please stand.